What is up, you guys? You are tuning in to the Health Without Limits podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Prestano, a personal trainer, nutrition coach, teacher, wife, dog mom to two, and mommy to be. Wow, that's weird to say. After too many years of playing it cool and trying to live up to society's standards, I decided it was time to share my voice. I hope that this is a place you will come to share your journey and to feel supported on your way. We'll talk all things health, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, and just some good old girl chat. Thanks for coming along. Let's get going. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the Health Without Limits podcast. This week, I've got Summer from Done Naturally on the podcast, and Summer is a lactation consultant. I came across her page as I'm trying to do some learning of my own in this whole new mom journey, but Summer shares so much valuable information. You guys, like, Her page is just full of great tidbits. She has a YouTube channel that we talk about today with just short little clips with breastfeeding tips, common misconceptions, and myth busting. I loved this conversation today. So whether you guys are new moms to be like me, or you're seasoned moms, or you're going through your breastfeeding journey, there is something in this for everybody. We talk through cluster feeding. We talk through the first few days and weeks at home. We talk about the common misconceptions of not being able to breastfeed and what kind of leads to that and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Make sure you check out the show notes so that you know where to find Summer and I'll catch you guys at the end. So hey Summer, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm glad we were able to connect and set this up. Yes, thank you for having me so much. So I'm excited to kind of dive into this conversation today because it's a lot of things that are new to me and I think a lot of other people could benefit from this too. So why don't you just start off, tell a little bit about you and what you do and then how you got into the field that you're in. Absolutely. So I am a mother first and foremost. I have four children. I have a 21-year-old stepson and um, an 18-year-old 16-year-old and 13-year-old my belly babies um, and certainly didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a lactation consultant. <laughs> um, I actually, my um, my prior lifetime really chapter, I um, have a degree in fine arts and music, so I'm a singer and um, in theater. So very different world than what I'm currently in. Um, and it was really my first son, my 18-year-old, that kind of um, really just jumped, nudged me into this world that I, I'm really so glad I'm in because it felt very organic how it all happened. Um, he was born um, about five weeks premature, and I had always knew I wanted to breastfeed. My mother breastfed my two younger siblings who are six and ten years younger than me, so I really watched and observed her mothering through breastfeeding and knew I really didn't think there was another option is kind of how I grew up. Like it wasn't like, what are you going to do? It was like, well, I'm going to nurse. Um, so in uh, my experience with my son, I, he was born a little premature and I did not have great support afterwards. I had nurses and lactation consultants telling me that he probably won't nurse. And this was like, 45 minutes after he was born um and i'm the kind of person that's like if you tell me i can't i probably will (laughs) (laughs) um so um and i remember there was a a poignant moment 
where we were practicing nursing and I was probably a couple of days from going home because we had to stay longer than typical, him being premature. And the lactation consultant peeked over a screen and like just I could see like her nose and her eyes and she said, is everything going okay? And I said with tears, no, I have blisters on my nipples and it hurts. And she goes, oh, it'll be fine. And just dismissed me and walked away. Oh. And, you know, in those times you're so vulnerable and you want help so badly. And when it's not working, it's devastating. And it feels like it will never get better. And you just feel really lost in the woods. And I was determined to, to not let that like be my course. But I didn't get through because of her. And I remember feeling in that moment like, if that's what mothers have available, I'm going to be part of the solution. And so it was really that moment in 2002 that I was like, okay, like I have a new path, a new destiny for what I'm going to do with this life of mine. And, um, and then from that point on, I had a lovely breastfeeding experience despite her lack of support. Um, had women around me that supported me, my mother, um, she gave me the Womanly Art of Breastfeeding book and I like devoured that. Um, then um, my first step towards that was becoming a um, La Leche League leader with La Leche League. And, um, and then after five years of volunteering and working with women and leading support groups and answering phone calls, um, I had had enough hours, clinical hours, to be able to sit for the board exam for lactation consulting and reading and study and all the other preparatory education pieces um, and was credentialed in 2010. So I was very excited. It was a, a slow process um, for me because I was a stay-at-home mom, but that was necessary and really gave me a good foot uh, like a sturdy ground because I was able to work with women for five years in the range of newborns all the way to babies that are breastfeeding in the toddler and into the preschool years. So I had a really broad range of knowledge going into my career as a lactation consultant. Wow. That's just, what a cool story. I mean, it's unfortunate that it had to start off that way, but you know, you really spun it into a positive experience. How, so then really like those first few weeks, months, you know, with your son, was that just you just diving in and educating yourself and just trying things? That's such a great question. Yeah. It was a very different time in 2002 than it is now yeah. for new moms and there's challenges and, um, and probably things um, that could be looked at as a benefit now that might be actually spun to be a challenge. Back then, we didn't have all the social media platforms and the, the information at your fingertips. And so I really um, owe it to my Womanly Art of Breastfeeding book that I like tore up and folded and dog-eared and um, my mother and I went to a breastfeeding support group and I went weekly and listened to the women around me and the lactation consultant leading it. And then that led to me going to La Leche League support groups, same thing, like the leader and the women around. And, you know, people don't realize how important support is. And 
um, listening to people's stories and gleaning from their, you know, experiences and their wisdom and seeing what's ahead. And even if you're, I went even when I wasn't having problems, I would go and not realize, oh my gosh, there's a woman three weeks behind me and I can give her some insight. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool. So yeah, I just, you know, must have figured it out. And, you know, I'm sure there was part of it that could have been easier had I had somebody like literally sitting next to me to help me with those blisters. But somehow, like, you know, we made it through. Yeah. And like what, I don't know, for me at least, like what a great way to learn, just learn by doing and throw yourself into it because it's something that was a need right then. But yeah, and important. I think, you know, people that people that go into having a baby, um, they have a choice in their feeding, how they want to do that, what if they want to breastfeed, if they want to pump and feed, if they want to mix feed, if they want to formula feed. And it's it evolves as you after you have the baby and in those beginning weeks and when something's important to you, um, you want it to work right? Like you want it to work because you care about it so much. So to speak back to when you're having troubles, um, it's devastating and it can change the course of your, like how you might move forward because when you're in pain, nobody wants to keep going. Like, I feel like people are like, Oh, grin and bear it. Like, it's fine. Like, no, like when it hurts, like it is easy. And to be like, uh, uh, I'm out. Yeah. Like, tap out, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Now, the clients that you work with now, do you do, because you post a ton on your Instagram page, and we'll get into your YouTube page, do you work sure. mostly with virtual clients, or do you have people in person you work with? What does that look like? Yeah, great question. So, I do a lot of all of that. So, I see women in person in their homes that live in the Kansas City metro area where I am. And then I also do virtual consults and um, worldwide. So I have clients that aren't just in the United States. I have clients that are in Europe and Canada and Bali. Wow. Um, And how they find me, I have no idea, but (laughs) they do. Um, But I also do virtual for people here in my local area too, because not everything needs a hands-on visit or the intensity of a home visit so yeah so I do a combination of everything just whatever however the mom needs help I'm gonna make that happen and it's great you know where we are now that that's an opportunity that's available I was you know our pediatrician has a lactation consultant on staff and that's fabulous but you know, they're not always going to be able to see you right away or get you in right away. And I was explaining to my husband about, you know, what you do and that you're virtual. He's like, you can do that virtually? I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's the world that we're in now that how great to be able to have that so support no matter where you are. Yeah, and that's, that. I, I'm glad you brought that up. So a lot of people might think, like, how could you help me and not live in the same state? Um And I think it's easy for people to understand that if it's just on a teaching basis, then of course we can receive information in that regard. Um, But what about the physical aspect of improper latch or nipple pain or looking at the baby and doing an oral assessment? 
And when I was in my, you know, in the preparation of my, you know, work towards the Lecha League and work towards my lactation consulting, there was a common thread throughout saying we need, as clinicians, we need to be good about not doing it for them. Because if I, it doesn't matter if I can latch a baby, right? Like I'm going to leave and then I'm not in your pocket. You have to be able to do it. So in my study and really just my practice, I'm very hands off. And if I need to be super hands on, I'm going to do it, right? But my goal is to help a mother know how to do it. So as descriptive as I can be with like, telling her how to hold the baby, how to position the baby, the angling of the baby, um, that's going to be far more helpful for her when I leave. It's not about me like holding the baby's head and holding your breast and putting the two together. Um, that doesn't benefit her in the long run. So actually, um, with the pandemic that is going on right now, it's actually people are more open to having people help like this. And it's been wonderful practice to be like, no, I can actually help you latch on a baby via the computer. I'm very used to like sitting in a home doing the same thing. Like if I'm sitting next to you on the couch, I'm also going to sit primarily with my hands in my lap um, and just teach you how to do it. So um, that's something I think people need to know, not that everybody should use you know, tele instead of in home, but um, it can be helpful depending on the, you know, um, schedule and who's available right now and when, because women, when they need help, they usually need help like today mm -hmm. or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They don't need help in two weeks, right. you know? So, yeah. And it's such a good point. Cause I know, I mean, I haven't experienced it yet, but I've heard a lot of women say that that first night you come home from the hospital you like forget everything that you learned about breastfeeding and everything that the lactation consultant told you isn't working anymore. So it's such a great point that you try to do the hands-off approach so that you don't feel like you constantly need that person next to you in the middle of the night. You are empowered to be able to do those things. Yes. And I will say that common first, that first night home, it does feel like everything like crumbled um, the, the first day of life is like this honeymoon period where you're just so in love with the baby and the baby is sleepy and you're sleepy from delivery that it's just like not real. Um, and then it starts to get more real and you're in such a vulnerable hormonal state that when people are teaching you then, um, you're listening, but it just doesn't absorb the same way. Um, so that when you do go home, you're like, what did she say? Well, the nurse said this and the lactation consultant said this and the pediatrician said this and the other nurse said this and I can't sort. Um, so that's actually a good point to prenatal education. So women that go to a prenatal breastfeeding class or, um, start going to support breastfeeding support groups prenatally, they're absorbing that information before the hormones take over. And so then it becomes easier not to be easier not to slip into um, just forgetful natural forgetfulness and not know how to move forward yeah you know? yeah. yeah well and actually speaking right to that I was you know going to transition to your YouTube channel and it's funny I've 
started watching it. We've got two dogs at home that have tons of energy. So my routine is I come home from school and they have to be played with. They have to be walked. So lately I'll prop up one of your YouTube videos while I'm playing with them and go through a couple. And I love it, you know, and I like that they're, they're short, but they're so informative. You have some different series on there, but you typically focus on, you know, myth busting when it comes to breastfeeding. What for you have been some of the most common myths that have come up with people that you've worked with? Oh, man, there's a slew. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Um, I bet. Well, I think um, I can go through a few of them. So first, I would say the baby's not getting enough, Um, that they're nursing all the time. That must mean that they're not satiated, because if they were satiated, they would sleep for three or four hours. Um, and that's a big one. There might be, um, that you have to eat a certain diet, um, that you have to flood yourself with water in order to make milk, um, that you better buy all these cookies and, you know, supplements and teas and body armors in order to make milk. So it ends up when, when people are looking into breastfeeding, it ends up making a mother feel like there is a very specific life lifestyle that you have to be in to breastfeed or else you're not going to make it and that's just the impossible because we have a worldwide um female uh i might have said that wrong but an entire world full of women with babies and there absolutely can't be one way to do it <laughs> because yeah. you have, you know, women of different cultures and backgrounds and uh, food choices and lifestyles, and yet they all breastfeed their children. So we unfortunately put women in this little tiny box to be like, you have to live this way or else you won't make milk or you better save your money because there's a lot of stuff to buy to make it right. And, you know. It's been going on since the beginning of human times, so, <laughs> and there was no stores or Amazon, and uh, so I'm not quite sure how we survived without all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yes, I for me, um, bringing light to how simple breastfeeding can be, and that doesn't mean it comes without challenges, but we often make it harder than what it is for moms. Um, and it doesn't have to be so complicated. It is actually very simple, but you have to understand the physiology of milk making and the baby's instincts. And once you understand that, it's like, oh, now I understand why they want to eat all the time. Now I understand how to tell they're getting enough milk. Okay, I can have some coffee. Awesome. I'm so tired. (laughs) Right, right. Like, yeah. So um, I love... Yeah, I love busting myths. Um, it's super fun. <laughs> and I, I just want, like a loudspeaker to be like, you right? Know. I know you need you need one. Like, <laughs> there's just I mean, there's a couple that I've noted that I've noticed. I'd love to pick your brain about, but I hear a lot sure. of women talk about one of them being the cluster feeding. And some women will say, you know, go with it and it's great. And then some women are hard, like, nope, don't do it. It's going to make your supply way too much. Is that one you hear a lot too? Oh yeah. Cluster feeding. Yes. Um, I've, I, one of my, um, 
wish I would have known, uh, a mom was like, I, I wish I would have known that cluster feeding is normal. And that goes back to how milk making, how it works. And in the beginning, the more milk that's taken out of the breast, the more milk the body will make. And most of the time, milk is taken out of the breast by either directly breastfeeding or pumping. And um, so it becomes really important to trust that baby to know its needs better than we do, you know, um, that if the baby wants to nurse, they're probably smarter than we are about their body, so they should probably nurse. And they're instinctively trying to drive that supply high. And the baby can't drive a supply too high um, if it's on their own. Um, you can run into oversupply or hyperlactation when the baby's doing their job and the mom is doing extra work on top of that, additional pumping, um, additional haka-ing, which has now become a very common word mm -hmm. in mother world. Um, <laughs> then you can do that. But allowing the baby to drive the supply um, is vital in those first, particularly first six, four, four to six weeks um, when the mother's body is trying to figure out how much to make. And they usually will cluster feed, um, especially day two, three, and four. Um, but in the evening, which is so unfortunate for us, like whoever's up in the clouds, like <laughs> we all wish. That yeah. Could we switch that around? <laughs> yeah. Like, can we just feed more during the day yeah. and sleep more during the night? Yeah. Um, but instinctively, babies nurse more at night because our milk-making hormones are higher in those middle-of-the-night hours, so there's more milk available. So it stinks for sleep, but it's vital to milk-making. And when you hear people say sleep when the baby sleeps, that is not a myth. That is totally accurate. Like, it just means you're going to have sleep chunks. You might get a couple of hours in the early morning and a couple of hours in the mid-morning, a couple of hours in the mid-afternoon if you lay down with the baby. And then those middle of the night hours where they want to nurse five hours out of the six won't feel quite as bad. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting too. I didn't realize that about overnight having the hormone be, um, or our milk making be higher at night. Right. And if a mom doesn't understand that process, if that baby is nursing every hour instead of every two or three, and she says, you know, oh, this is too hard, you know, I'll use the pacifier, you know, so he can wait two hours until it's feeding time next. What that does is remove the opportunity for baby to get more milk in those hours and understimulates her supply so we can have a slower gaining baby or more weight loss or a supply that can't make it like mom's milk supply eventually dries up and she thinks you know um and no fault of her own she thinks my milk supply just dried up like i couldn't make it past six weeks three months you know whatever when really she could but it was just the mismanagement of how she was unintentionally managing breastfeeding with lack of education that kind of you know um, derailed her breastfeeding um because we know, statistically speaking, that less than 1% of the entire female population can't make enough milk. But that is a very tiny amount of women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nature's pretty smart, makes a lot of sense. But there's a lot of women out there, I would say, I don't know, two out of four women who actually think 
they are one of those 1%. And again, it's not their fault. It's just the, you know, system failing them, lack of support, poor postpartum support and care and education. Um, because she obviously wanted it to work, you know, and she's pissed. It didn't. Mm -hmm. And she's sad. Mm -hmm. And, um, She's grieving that process and feels guilt because she wanted it to work so bad, but it's not technically guilt, it's grief, but um, she just got screwed from the system. So um, yeah, I think, um, again, that goes back to understanding the physiology of baby's needs and milk making that once you understand, oh, we make more milk at night, that's why they wanna feed all night oh, they're responsible for my body making enough that then a mom goes, oh, okay. Like I don't, now I, now that I understand, I'm more willing to, to like follow the baby's lead. Mm -hmm. You know, not that we all want to be up all night and not that it lasts forever. Because <laughs> in the moment it feels like they'll never, never sleep, but they eventually do. They get there. Yeah. <laughs> now the other, the other myth that I've commonly seen, and you actually started to touch it, touch on it a little bit is around pumping. So yeah. there's a lot of women that'll, you know, say they want to start pumping at the beginning because they're, whether their maternity leave is short, they got to go back to work, whatever it is. And then some women that completely don't, what do you typically recommend to your clients for that? Yeah. So um, I like to dive into what a mother's needs are first because it's all very, um, I want to help it work, make it work for her. And some people have different needs. Some moms don't want to have storage, you know, stored milk in the freezer. Some moms need to. Um, totally depends on circumstances. Are they going back to work away from the baby? Are they going to be working home with the baby? Do they stay at home? Are they going to be, you know, a physician that's working 90 hours a week starting, you know, at three months postpartum? So um, I have different um, directions. I don't have just like a, a, what would you call that? Just, you know, a kind of canopy of a, it's always this way. But I usually have working moms start pumping in that first week postpartum. And they're not doing a ton of pumping. They're doing like one pump a day on top of what baby needs. And what that does is tell the body that the babe, that the body needs to make just one feeding more than what the baby needs. I always call it an invisible twin. So the body will make one feeding more and we stash that away. And then you can create, you know, quite a bit of storage in that two, three month maternity leave. Um, do you have to have that? No, you don't. Technically speaking, you have to have, if you're going back to work, enough milk to send with the baby on day number one, which, you know, an eight to 10 to 12 hour a day would be somewhere between eight and 12 to 15 ounces of milk. So that's not a ton of pumping that has to be made in the beginning because you send the milk on day number one. And then on day number one of work, you're pumping, and then that becomes day number two's milk. And so you're like, you know, making exactly what baby needs. But a lot of moms, because of social media now, they are like dying to have the freezer full of milk for the just in case or to make them feel, you know, calm, or they maybe have had a prior experience where they didn't make enough milk and they're like, Summer, I 
you know, I, I can't do that again. I'd rather make a little more milk. And so we're going to design a plan to where she can do that. Usually for most moms, the one a day pumping works out great. Um, it's not too time consuming and it gives them that a little extra milk and it's not so much that it's overwhelming. It's not creating a hyper, you know, oversupply. Um, it's, uh, it's manageable. Um, stay at home moms even might just do a little bit of pumping in that first couple weeks, store a little bit and then slowly back down and it's just enough for their first couple outings and then otherwise they don't have to do pumping all the time. Um, then you have moms who have a premature baby or a poor sucker or whatever the case might be and they have to do some pumping in the beginning in order to protect their supply. So yeah, it's like, it. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it can change so easily and you really have to know the history, the story behind it, the why and craft it for that mom and um, be able to understand her needs because we don't like there's the danger of not enough milk and then there's the danger of too much milk. So there's like this happy middle ground that most moms are um, that's where their need is. Mm -hmm. But the reason we start in the beginning, as opposed to a couple weeks before the mom might go back to work, is that it's in those first three weeks that the body is what I call hungry to be told how much milk to make. And after that time, we're really in maintenance mode. So like mom's milk supply reaches a cap and baby's tummy uh, capacity reaches a cap, and then we're just coasting. And so if two months down the road, a mom's like, I'm gonna start pumping and create a stash. Her body is like confused, like, wait, we just make enough milk for Johnny. We can't suddenly have a twin unless you told us a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that becomes important to you. Kind of got to know what's going on in the beginning to like set it in stone, so to speak. Yeah. And I like that you talked about too, that it's not just like a blanket approach for everybody because truly with social media, like you said, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. And I think that with breastfeeding specifically, there does seem to be a lot of blanket statements that get put out there and then women just get so overwhelmed when truly, like you said, the way you talk about it, it really is a lot more simple then sometimes it's made out to be and it's just something that our body it knows what to do and sure we will need support along the way and we'll we'll need those things but maybe we're overcomplicating it a little bit sometimes oh yes we uh we women love to complicate things and we love to overthink things um it is very easy to fall into that trap um yeah. Yes. <laughs> you have to have somebody kind of talk you off down off the ledge a lot of times to be like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Are you trying to analyze everything? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, really, my last question for you, and you actually have already given some good tidbits, would be what would your advice be for, you know, new moms in those first couple days after birth? birth for the first couple weeks after birth what do you like to suggest well I um, am a firm believer in trusting the body and trusting the baby um, and that would kind of be a catch-all for those first few weeks 
um, that you essentially never want to say no to the baby. If they are cueing to feed or showing signs that I'm ready to suck on something, be that putting their hands in their mouth, licking their lips, rooting from side to side, that is a very simple like cue that I need to nurse. Um, and you never want to doubt that. It is the baby's instinct to drive your supply. So every time they want to, the answer is yes. And most people get told that the baby wants to nurse every two to three hours or like eight to 10 times a day. Um, and that's really unfortunate because that does happen. You know, babies do nurse to every two to three hours eventually. But in the hospital, in those first few days after delivery, really in the first few weeks, it feels like they're nursing like every hour. And so moms can get misled and think that something's wrong. So um, never saying no to baby and just snuggling in and allowing your body to rest and recover from delivery and just hang out with baby and watch movies and nurse all day and night, like that's, that's the way to do it. Um, and then trusting those diapers. Those diapers are like the most important. I don't care how many minutes the baby nursed. I don't care how often. I don't care if it started at 10.22 and ended at 11.05, where women will like just become like a slave to the app of when the feed started, when the feed ended. And um, if the diapers are there, that the proof is always in the pants. Like if the wet diapers are there, if the poopy diapers are there, that means that enough milk is going in because enough is coming out. So never saying no, trusting those diapers, watching those like a hawk. Um, babies can have longer stretches of sleep. A healthy full-term baby with a healthy mom without any risk factors, they can do a long stretch of sleep and you should too. And understand that they will make up for it. Like if they slept for four or five hours, you will then be after that a little more rested and able to deal with the nursing every 45 minutes. Um, and the first 24 hours is, again, I mentioned it's kind of like a honeymoon because they're really sleepy and they don't feed very often. And so moms can get worried about that and they don't need to be because then, then day two, three, four, and five is like nursing fest. And you're quickly on the other side of the fence and you're like, oh my God, why aren't they sleeping? <laughs> um, so yes, like just trusting the process, understanding that all that stimulation is going to build this amazing, what I call house of milk. And then week three and four are going to be easy breezy if you put that effort into the first few weeks of just being like, toss your hands up and be like, they're going to want to nurse most of the hours of the day, you will have, you know, little chunks of sleep here and there. The diapers are your focus and, you know, snack when you can, sleep when you can, forgo the shower, obviously go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, but it becomes a very simple life of what many moms call survival because nothing else matters really. It becomes very low on the totem pole where you're lucky to get a shower and you mentioned social media kind of like <laughs> being uh, a little bit of a trap too. Like 
because should you be taking photos and trying to look cute and <laughs> the photographer the, the baby is coming and parents are coming over and you know should i make dinner and all these like shoulds are shouldn'ts <laughs> like, you know like you're gonna feel a lot better if all of those things happen on week three and four instead of those first few weeks and actually um, the COVID pandemic is kind of taking care of that because I'm noticing that parents are having easier recovery in the postpartum period because nobody's coming over. So it's just the family, just the nuclear family recovering and in survival mode and not, um, not having attention pulled away from other things. And it's really improving breastfeeding outcomes, breastfeeding initiation, uh, milk supply, baby, like it's really kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, that's that's interesting moms. though, and that's such a good point that like you don't have to worry about those other stressors. You can just kind of be in your little bubble and not yes. have to worry about the rest. Yeah, protect the bubble. I mean, we even have moms who are breastfeeding for longer durations because they don't have to return to the workplace. Mm-hmm. They're not having to do as much pumping, and there's so much more flexibility. So. You know, while I'm not excited that the pandemic is here, um, it has kind of brought light to the postpartum period. And also, I will say there's challenges because you support systems maybe have to be a little bit different. And, you know, we're having online support groups and, you know, things like that. So obviously nothing is nothing is all roses, but, um, you know, it, it, it's been fun for me to see the positive outcomes um, with regard to babies and mamas and milk. Yeah, for sure. Well, as we wrap up, I'd love for you to share where people can find you. I oh, especially sure. would recommend people to check out your YouTube channel. Like, <laughs> I have a feeling I'll be pulling that up in the middle of the night. Like, what did what'd she say about that again? But why don't you share uh, kind of your social media, your YouTube, all that good stuff. Yes. Yeah, so on, on all the socials, I'm known as Done Naturally. Um, so on Instagram, I'm Done Naturally. On YouTube, I'm Done Naturally. My website is donenaturally.com, which will soon have a new look to it. Um, I have um, a Facebook presence as well, business profile on Facebook, Done Naturally. I host a um, uh, Done Naturally private Facebook group that um, I am very protective about, (laughs) Um, maybe to some people's um, uh, frustration, but um, I like to keep that private because um, it's invite only. So what that does is create um, an environment where everybody's vetted that comes in um, and um, it keeps it loving and supportive and accurate information. Um, So, I'm on the other platforms too, but not as actively. So I pretty much am um, gramming and YouTubing. Um, and I post all my videos on all those platforms too. And you hit the nail on the head when you said they're short and sweet. And um, creating my YouTube, I needed it to be bite-sized because I know postpartum women have a bandwidth and you can't digest and you don't have time to sit and watch like an hour. Um, and you don't have the mental capacity 
for an hour of information. You like need three minutes of information. Mm -hmm. You've got it. You'll implement. You go back to sleep. Um, So that's fun. I have a lot of people that say like, I I binge watched your YouTube channel last (laughs) night. (laughs) And that makes me happy because that's the exact reason I started it was that so women could have good information at any hour of the day at their own leisure and um, and be able to have it bite sized so that they don't that they can like pick and choose what information they're grabbing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I well I and I love that you brought that up because you had a you have a series on there of the first however many days of your baby's oh, life. Day of life. Yep. Yes. And each video is broken up by the day. Which, I I mean, I watched the first few days and then, you know, I know I'll go back to it. But I love that, you know, you you were able to start the videos with, okay, it's day number whatever. Here's how your baby's feeling. Here's what your baby is doing. And how helpful for moms to be able to literally just pull that up and feel that validation of like, okay, we're we're doing the right thing. And then here's maybe what I can expect tomorrow. And then let's stop there. Yes. Oh, so thank you so much. Yes. Um. Because those first five days of life and um, are so vital to your breastfeeding, breast pumping, milk making career, um, that um, it, it does need to be like that, where it's just here and now is what's going on, and you know, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and this is what you can grab. Um, so yeah, those are my day of life one through five. Um, and um, yeah, if you start off with those, I mean, you'll be in good shape um, in that first week postpartum. Um, yeah, lots of feeding. <laughs> lots of feeding and lots of diapering. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so glad you were able to come on. And I, I know that people are going to find this helpful. I found it helpful. So I'm glad that you were able to come on and do this. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Health Without Limits podcast. You guys know that I appreciate your support more than anything and really love having this outlet to just share my voice too. Don't forget to reach out to me on social media so that we can connect. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Both of those will be in the notes section of this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one.